This episode is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. For a free month's trial, please go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. Probably science. Welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen. Hello there. Hey, Andy. Happy almost end of summer. Thank you. It's nice to meet. We're finally back in the same town for a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, out of work temporarily. I'm hoping not for too long, but uh, the show I was working on had to go dark until they can find a host. So if you know of any people who want to host an NBC music and comedy celebrity challenge, um, send them my way. Listeners, yeah. if, if any of you can reach out to... Uh, Email uh, probablyscience <laughs> at gmail.com and mark your envelope. I am a famous TV host. If you're friends with Justin Timberlake, uh, uh, Jack Black... Send, send them our way. And we're sure you are. Yes. You you must be. Let's introduce our guest. Let's get straight into it, people. Sure. This is the very funny Denver originally, now over here, Mr. Jordan Dull. I'll do it. I'll host the NBC <laughs> comedy Good. music <laughs> extravaganza. Are you Denver originally? Did I, I get that a, right? I am Denver originally. Are you originally. born and raised in Denver or are you just no. comedically in Denver? I was born in uh, Scotland and I moved to Denver when I was 10 years old. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. So, do you, can you still... Do, did you have an accent? You obviously had an accent. I did. I had you, a mild metropolitan brogue. It's because really, I was from Aberdeen. I don't hear a sign of it anymore. Uh, I was, it was ridiculed out of me oh. at an early age. They made me say, dude. <laughs> have a, they were like, Jordan, say dude. And I'd be like, dude. And they would dude. ridicule me. Do you still speak any Abedonian? Speak a little bit. If I have to switch it on, sometimes I can. I do mean, it. not just the accent, but the actual oh, you mean language. Like going right into it. <laughs> I mean, no. like, isn't it? What is that? What my, was... my old agent was from Aberdeen, and they have there's an actual Celtic language called Abedonian, Aberdonian, which is, a, which is a separate language. I thought it was just a Russ Abbott sketch. It's wow, that's a deep pull as well. Yeah, man. You really did grow up in... I did. Well, I saw Russ Abbott live with my dad. He did the Aberdonian. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a frying pan for a sporin. It's hysterical. I had so many words I don't know in those last two sentences. Aberdeen is the name of the city where, sure. I, where okay. I grew up. And well, well not really grew up. Is a... I, I, it's like a little bag they wear in front of the kilt to hold... Okay. It's like you'd have seen it. If you Coins. see someone wearing a kilt, they've got the little sort of dangling purse type thing that kind of sits in between their legs and... Like a little oh, pouch. Oh, I guess I can picture that. I mean, it's sort a, of a. They wouldn't call it this, but a fanny pack, if you will. A fanny pack. Sure. Except, yes. except it's sort of loose rather than tight against the waist. Yeah. A bit of a decorative tribal scrotum, if you will. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, Aberdeen's the city that I was that I had spent part of my youth in, mm-hmm. and it's, it, it's all made of granite. It's the granite city, which is uh, everything's built of granite, which means it's sort of mostly gray except on the one day of the year when it's sunny and then it sparkles. Yeah, yeah, and the whole true. city is slightly radioactive. Yeah, is is true. granite slightly radioactive? Radio- is that it why? is. I didn't know that. Sparkling Aberdeen. Let's we do lived uh, honestly. That. We lived like uh, until I was like six, probably five years old. We lived in like a big old four story Victorian row house, like a granite, the original like right hewn granite houses. Do phones work in them at all? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like this is probably pre cell phone, but would a mobile phone? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I bet. I bet signals because are pretty the bad granite. in all it's of like yeah, a weird How does it get through Faraday cage or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking up Aberdeen. You are. Spot on with the gray assessment. Yeah, it's, it's it's a. I like it. I've done some shows up there, and it's. Oh yeah, it's the I think the lemon tree is one. Yeah, of yeah, the, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, they do comedy there. Yeah, 
far out. I went. Uh, I went. What? I've been back two times since I left, and we went. To, I think my uncle took us near the lemon tree and just like pointed it out. Like that's where all the hip shows happen. So uh, I only play in the hippest of places. Yeah. I make them yeah. hip. Yeah. <laughs> so is this Russ Abbott guy a, a regionally famous comedian? Yes, or that's exactly what he is. Well, you, by region you mean UK fame. Yeah. Sure. Okay. It's yeah. um, he was he w- he had various sketch shows on TV yeah. all through my childhood. Famous uh, sketch comic, it's like relatively uh, broad comedy. Yeah, pretty old, pretty broad, so like seventies stuff, seventies, eighties. Yeah. yeah, a bit of a. Oh, who were the other ones? Canned carrot. Jasper Carrot was my first like Jasper com- Carrot, yeah, really stand-up comic that I really got into yeah. as a kid. Hell Love yeah, love Jasper Carrot. <laughs> Wonderful. It's- that was a sort of hybrid stand-up and sketch show. It was Jasper Carrot's show? It would be a wait. It's a person or a show. His name is Jasper Carrot, or his stage name yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a show that was named after himself. That's kind of like a yes. we- that's kind of like a weird uh, UK thing where they have like a silly last name and then it'll be like Carrot and P. <laughs> And like his friend, like Jimmy P. That was Cannon and Bull when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cannon and Lodge. And there would oh, always God. be like, because we would go to these like, um, these like countryside day camps where you rent like a caravan, and they have like it's like a weird in like inland landlocked resort uh-huh. area, and they have shows every night, and they'll have these like comedic duos who play every night at the Sunshine Room or whatever. <laughs> the appropriately named, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the farthest north part of the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Jasper Carrot, born Robert Norman Davis. Yep, and his daughter, or at least one of his daughters, is uh, Lucy Davis, who plays Dawn in The Office. Yeah, all oh, right. Crazy. All right. Didn't know that. So yeah, wait, Aberdeen, super far north. How how brutal were the winters there? How little sunlight would you get? You the- know, no. I honestly, I remember it being pretty drizzly in the in the winter time. Pretty. You know, it snowed a couple of times, pretty big. But like, it gets hot in the su- in the summer there. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. I Hang it. on, wait, how hot are we talking? Yeah, I, I mean, it was, what, like, 90s? Like, it really? would get up into the 90s? Huh, I was in Edinburgh in July, and it was not that nice, and I was like, is this the best they get up here? It seems yeah. like it was, yeah, I went to tea in the park, and it was pouring rain. I don't know if that's a common oh, That's about right for you, yeah, that's roughly it, for a Scottish music festival. yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, it was, it was July, so it was light until like 11 o'clock out at night or something. So Really? I do remember, uh, and also, I was very young. You know, this is oh, until yeah, I was yeah. 10 years old. Um, I do remember going to bed when the sun was up a lot. Yeah. And being like really pissed at my mom about it. That's, I guess, yeah. the upside of being far Because it was sort of light until yeah. 1030. Yeah. And what, what brought your parents to the States? Uh, my dad was in, my dad works in oil. And uh, he was working, Aberdeen has a lot of oil uh-huh. uh, money and people, you know, coming into and out of there and they met over there and had my brother and then moved to Brazil and then moved to uh-huh. back to Scotland. And then when we were 10, we, uh, um, my, when I, when we were all 10, uh, <laughs> when I was 10, my grandmother, my mom's mom died who lived over there. So we moved to the United States to be closer to my paternal grandparents. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So do you still have both passports? I don't. You know, I uh, I have only an American passport, but I've been told that the other that a UK passport is mine to claim. Yeah, it should be. If you were born and raised in yeah the UK, 
You just I have to, to go through. There's a gauntlet, right? You have yeah, to, I have to go back and pull like an axe out of a stone <laughs> or something. Yeah, and then the passport gets handed to you from a lake. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. very. But yeah. actually, they have a really quick turnaround on that. Yeah. <laughs> if you pay a premium, you can get same day lake ha- passport. <laughs> it depends on which lake lady is working. Yeah, because <laughs> you're always luck of the draw. Uh, I always confuse the lake lady with the sword and the stone. Like, she's in there. Unrelated, right? No, it's the same. She's I, in there. They're Wait. both off the. He, uh, lady in the lake hands, a, hands you a sword or I you think, pull a sword out of a stone if I remember this very sketchy memory he originally got the sword from the stone and then at some point lost or you, threw away the sto- the sword and then it was returned to him from the la- by the lady in the lake I don't know yeah it seems like if you've I know both are applicable if you manage to lose a sword that important I feel like it, you don't get it back you sure. should, it shouldn't be part of legend that someone <laughs> finds a thing that you misplaced you should have to learn that lesson yeah. I had this magic sword it made you king and everything I think you have to just walk around with the idiot stick yeah. the people who lose the sword of yeah. rule how come the lady of the lake doesn't become queen that's, that's what should happen she finds sure. the missing sword right that she just returns she becomes it a, and then he's great again a terrible fairy queen yeah. I think she knew that if she, had, if she was going to become queen she'd have to leave the lake and mm-hmm. oh, okay. she's a homebod and she'd have to give up her voice to get legs yeah, yeah. that's yeah. all the story okay so the top temperature the highest recorded temperature in Aberdeen is 86 Fahrenheit 30 Celsius okay which is still that's much hotter than I thought. But, but that's that, an all-time high. That is the highest, yeah. I remember and it would lowest, get hot in the summertime. The lowest is minus eighteen Celsius, which is just under zero Fahrenheit. Okay, so that's how this is going to go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> if I say something, you're just going to fact check me into nothing. Uh, it's a very fun podcast. Our friends love to be on it. Uh, uh, so we always ask our guests before we get into stories: What, if anything, is your background in science, Jordan Dahl? Oh, geez. Do I have a background in science? And by I'm the way, this has gone from like people who really studied a lot to sure. I had a teacher that I quite liked or I used to blow stuff up in the woods. Sure. I had, I've done all of that. I had teachers I liked. I've gotten a hold of uh, uh, you know, fireworks before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done experiments. Um, what sort of experiments? You know, just as a kid, setting things on fire, uh, um, burning, a lot of burning, a lot of fire-related experiments. Uh, the old baking soda and the vinegar, sure, that was a fave. Um, I will say... Um, Which, by the way, very irresponsible, because volcanoes have caused a lot of distress to various sure. towns. Yeah. True. Teaching kids to make them, not yeah. a great idea. If anything, we need less volcanoes. <laughs> we shouldn't be training, yeah. This is... Unless... How much? I mean, think about the... I've, I've been to Pompeii. Mm-hmm. You can still see through the archaeological ruins. It's pretty cool, but you just think, like... How much baking how much soda and how much vinegar must yeah. they have had yeah. to really make and that? And they still don't know who did it. No. <laughs> who was responsible for it. I'm pretty sure it was Mrs. O'Leary's cow knocked over the vinegar that then trickled into the baking soda mountain. It was a whole, uh, it was like one of those, uh, what's the Rube machine? Goldberg. A Rube Goldberg. Yeah, Goldberg. yeah, yeah. yeah. fall up the mountainside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, hang, I, which one is Mrs. O'Leary's? The Chicago Fire. It's oh, not true, Chicago. but it's uh, apocryphal. <laughs> it could be true. I, I don't think it's true. I'm not going to look it up. Yeah, boy. That's fucked up, though, to be Mrs. O'Leary or the O'Learys of Chicago. Yeah. We didn't do it! Uh, guys, I got some bad news. Uh, <laughs> this, this is how I assume everybody always talked in Chicago. The cows the were cows. having a night. <laughs> Things got a little out of control. <laughs> Look, we're sorry and so are the cows. <laughs> um, Kielbasa that, on me tonight. Okay, guys. <laughs> oh, it all burned up? 
rats. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Um, I would. You know what? I would brand myself a very uh, intellectually curious person. Uh-huh. I uh, I do like to um, get into the nitty gritty of things. Sure. Love love me some Planet Earth. Love me some Life on Netflix. I did Is Planet Earth, the most recent Attenborough narrated one that's on Netflix. There's a bunch of them, but oh. yeah, it, that seems to be the ongoing one. Or no, there's a new name for the one. God damn it. There's some great 4K one on Netflix right cool. now that's relatively recent. And that's another Attenborough It's one? also Attenborough. Maybe it's also just called Planet Earth. I thought it had a different name, but um, yeah, um, it's great. I did archaeology for a couple of years. What? I did field archaeology was okay. my summer job. That's and you said you didn't have... That's <laughs> way more than any of us. Well, here's the thing. There are, there are a number of... So when you go out there, there are archaeologists... And then there are what you call a shovel bum. Okay. And I was a shovel bum, <laughs> fellas. Unnecessarily derogatory. Which just means you know which end of the shovel makes the holes happen. <laughs> uh, which, because basically... Just, just for the show notes, because I'm typing them out as we do the show, is shovel bum one word, two words, hyphenated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think hyphenated implies someone who has a shovel for a butt. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like some kind of Pokemon. Compound modifier. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I would say... Two words. Okay, thanks. Two separate words. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Be, yeah, it could be an insult for someone with just like a flat... You know, sure. Yeah. Like some like a reason you don't get into the army or something. <laughs> like, oh, he's got shovel bum. <laughs> Flat-footed shovel yeah, yeah, bum. Yeah. He's got the uh, heel... What are they called? Uh, bone spurs? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there would be like archaeologists who could tell you like, oh, when it's found in this strata of dirt, it usually indicates this. This is what you're looking at is, uh, you know, charred bone from a, a pit or whatever. And then there were people who they just needed people to dig holes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I picked it up along the way. You know, I, I got to the point where I could I can spot like flakes and stuff and I can find an arrowhead or even like a, what they call cores, which are like where somebody has chipped away from like a uh, flint um to make tools but it's it's the leftover chunk in the middle of it basically um and we would find bone and stuff and it was yeah it was it was science we would put them in bags and record them document it i feel like arrowheads are remarkably prevalent yeah that seems to be the main thing that gets discovered on digs and stuff yeah i mean it's it was a thing there was a thing that got lost and made and broken a lot yeah i was actually you know what i was just thinking they all were ones that were used in battle but actually of course if you just had like a store of arrows which every camp would have to defend sure. yourself or fort or whatever well not and just then, battles it's for hunting right mainly yeah, for hu- I would okay. say. hunting yeah oh mm-hmm. of course and then just you sort of have them and then over the years the wood just rots away and you're left with your head with the head mm-hmm. yeah I've never found one you know I don't know that I've ever found one outside of work yeah. like work uh but I've definitely found, like, I've definitely been in an area where it, like, dawned on me. I was like, oh, this is the type of place where we would maybe do a dig. Yeah. And then I looked around and I was like, oh, yeah, there's fucking flakes everywhere. That's cool. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. Where were you mostly shoveling? Uh, Wyoming. And, um, yeah, mostly Wyoming. What, uh, what tribes were... You know, or I guess we wouldn't know the names of tribes from. Well, they could have told. They probably could have told you there. I, I like I said, I was more a shovel bum. Yeah, yeah. Um, so mostly they would like. Um, there, they they know what tribes are in the area now. Right. Yeah. But like, who knows? Like, what? depending on how old it is, they would have to like figure out where this came from. Yeah. Basically, honestly, one of the best jobs that I've ever had with like um, concern to just like. Sometimes they would go out. Part of the job was uh, surveying, which is just you walk around looking for places that m- could be uh, culturally significant or archaeologically relevant, whatever. And um, 
that just consists of them bringing you up in a mountain to the top of a mountain being like start here and walk down to that town right there and then the whole day would just be walk, walking like four abreast through a field looking for whatever features oh and uh smoking weed and listening to podcasts <laughs> it was great <laughs> Oh, so this was recent enough that it was within the era of podcasts. Within the era of podcasts. I was probably, the last time I did any kind of field work was probably 2006. Okay. Seven. That's like uh, Ricky Gervais and Jimmy Pardo. It was like all of the, all that was going on at that point. You know, <laughs> I think I was listening to like um, Doug Loves Movies. Oh, that was and already like out. Okay. the Nerdist podcast. Oh. Um, those were some faves at the time. Nice. I think... Uh, I think um, my brother, my brother, and me was always a favorite. That already existed, but well, I don't. Oh. I, I, honestly, I'm probably wrong about the time frame, but either way, all good podcasts. Everyone should yeah. go check them out. Unsolicited plugs. Yeah. Um, did you ever find? Did you ever like, damage anything while you were shovel bombing? I did. <laughs> oh, dude! Uh, the last time I went out, actually, for this one company, I think they may have been like that. We can't have that oh, guy back shit. anymore. What'd you do? Uh, I found half of a. Um, we were just kind of we were just kind of hacking away, yeah. uh, which so is not what you you're supposed to do. Well, you're you're supposed to dig, bum. supposed to dig very carefully. But I was a shovel bum, uh, hacking away, digging, 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 and like I hit something and uh, pulled my shovel up, and I had chipped uh, the t- I had broken in half and chipped the top off of half of a like huge spearhead. The coolest thing I've ever oh. found. Coolest thing I've ever found. And instantly broke it in the process. It broke it in half, but that's fine. It's not like a um. It's weird because it's not because I had the chip that came off. I had the half, and then as we dug down, I found the other half. So basically, we found a complete spear tip. Right. Uh, and because I had all the pieces, they were just like, "It's fine, bag it. It's not a problem." But still, you don't feel very Indiana Jones when you're like, <laughs> you're like, "Oh, I, oh. I cracked in the skull. <laughs> I did a boo boo. I blew it. <laughs> oh no, bees. <laughs> <laughs> we're all cursed." <laughs> uh, by the way, while we've been talking about this, I've been trying to Google King Arthur stories, and it looks like there there is dispute in the legend as to whether he got the sword from the stone or the oh. lake. Okay. And in some versions, the sword that came from the stone is not Excalibur. It's a different so one. So he has a different oh. sword from the stone and then breaks it, and then the Lady of the Lake gives him Excalibur. That's Oh, I was hoping he would have two magic swords. I was going to be like, this yeah. motherfucker. It's just, he just keeps finding them everywhere. He's just the luckiest guy. Bristling with magic swords. <laughs> I mean, that's it's befitting a magical king is to have a sword in each hand and just I like wailing so. on people just like <laughs> running down the street. That's way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> I love Darth that, Maul, Arthur. Double tip lightsaber style. And you're the yeah. king as well, so you can have swords just stuck in stones everywhere around the oh, country yeah. just so... That only Fuck you yeah. can get out. It's like, yeah, it's like e-scooters for kings. Yeah. But like no one else yeah. can unlock them. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a sword in every town, yeah. baby. <laughs> got swords in different area codes. That's great. I never, yeah. I, I want to see much. that gritty reboot. I think it's been done recently. King oh, really? Guy Ritchie just did a King yeah. Arthur Guy, I was going to say Guy Ritchie, yeah. too. Maybe that sunk into my subconscious. But I could see him directing King Arthur with two blades. Whirling, doing Krav Maga. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just some dumb trendy. He's parkouring for some reason. Oh yeah, parkouring. And he's yeah. everywhere. That one James Bond movie. Like, you guys stamped this as being so 2007 or whatever. The Holy one with all the parkour. Shit. I'm like, I watched Triple uh, X today. Uh-huh. Um, wow, wow. Tony Hawk is in it. 
Tony Hawk's like one of the dudes who helps Triple X with his like strange stunt at the start. Is he this... actually skateboarding during it? No, no. He's just hanging. <laughs> He's driving the car though. Okay. Is this, uh, I forgot, it's Vin Diesel then later became Ice Cube? Vin Diesel later became Ice Cube because Vin Diesel saw the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But talk about something that is like, hasn't aged well. It's like you can, it tastes like monster energy or like like (laughs) Red Bull. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing, I think we're seeing Hobson Jaw today, aren't we, Matt? I I think so. That's the plan, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it's outstanding. I have never seen a Fast and Furious movie. So we'll have to get him up to speed. I saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark last night. Is that a new Goosebumpsy thing? It is, yes. Remember the old books with the terrifying illustrations? Um, It might have been, I might be too old for it. Sure, sure. sure. Uh, But they, they made a movie about the books, and it was scary. Really? It was scary. It was good. Okay. Yeah. I think I saw the Goosebumps movie and uh, it was fine. Yeah. But, um, I like the first Goosebumps. I watched the second one and it was a travesty. Yeah. Are there gummy bears involved in that? I'm just picturing animated gummy bears. In the second, in the second one. Maybe just in the trailer of that. In the you know, second you one, know what else is scary? What is that? Massive parrots. Oh, yes. Really? I think our buddy Linda Moulton sent this story in. Thank the you, world's Linda. largest parrot found in central Otago. Where is central Otago? It's uh, east just, of West Ortega. Yeah, it's just under North Ortega. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's twice the size of a kakapo. This is a New Zealand story. Cool. So I'm guessing... And, uh, you look up where Central Ortega is while I tell you the story. It's named Heracles Inexpectus. Yes. To reflect its mid-life... Harry Potter spell, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> For conjuring parrots. Oh, we've done it too loud. <laughs> this thing's coming way too big. Oh, no, I'm doubling the size of every parrot in the Stop room. Stop saying it. <laughs> it's, the new parrot is estimated to stand up to one meter tall and weighs about seven kilos. What? It's twice the size of the critically endangered Kakapo, the former world's largest parrot. So we can just let that one go fully oh. extinct now. I'm still team Kakapo. Those guys are great. <laughs> Heracles Inexpectus was found in fossils dating back up to 19 million years near St. Bathans by paleontologists from Australia. So I'm guessing this is still very much New World, wherever Central Otago is. It's it's southern New Zealand. Okay, is it part of New Zealand or is it off the... Yeah, it's a region of, of, uh, of New Zealand. That makes sense. That would be why this New Zealand-based article doesn't bother to explain where it is. It's uh, actually but, an area. The area I, I just looked this up recently because I, I just saw on Airbnb they were advertising one of the houses on that show the world's most extraordinary homes oh you ever watch that yeah yeah yeah. i've seen it it's great and the new zealand one is my favorite house and it suddenly showed up on airbnb i'm like how much is this thing i want to see where it is and how much it is and it's in that area how much is it i mean it's like seven grand a night or something yeah what is so spectacular about this home i'll show it to you later it's just fucking cool i mean all the houses on that show are really awesome but it's just uh I, i can't describe what's cool about it it's just a real cool house lots of poured concrete and um and like diagonals and cool ways of getting light in Anyway, you were saying giant parrots. So, does does your old house feature in the world? <laughs> oh man, what if it just one episode dedicated to that piece of shit? I mean, it was cool, but like rundown and uh... which, by the way, Tony Hawk also used to live in. What? Yeah. All right. I also thought that was Bring an Arthurian circle. Arthurian legend <laughs> until we were going through papers in the in the garage and found a contract from 1987 when he first signed. Yeah, yeah. All right. Because there was also an 86, uh, some kind of skateboarding competition from 1986, a sticker on the sliding glass door to keep you from walking through the Whoa, crazy. And that might have been put there because that's about when he lived there. Sure. 87. Or when his mother, I think, married a guy 
who lived there. So he like split his time between that house and other sure, things. sure. He might have skateboarded Crazy. into the pool that we oh, all hung I'm out in. Sure, sure to yeah. think this is the kitchen that Tony yeah. Hawk skateboarded in when he made breakfast. Yeah, and Maya Angelou recorded a radio show from there, supposedly, but that's per the drunk roommate. So I don't know if okay. that's true. You can see more about the drunk roommate when you watch that episode of <laughs> Worlds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, Worlds most uncomfortable homes. Is that? You don't even ask people to leave the house. You just tour the house with the people in it. I would, just, I would love that. You walk through half naked, halfway yeah. through. That's my favorite podcast. This is my Angelou interviewing Tony Hawk. <laughs> Brendan walks by. Have a good blog, Maya. <laughs> Thank you. That's not what a blog is. Thank Brendan. you, young man. <laughs> She has oh, to read those days. Redo her stamps.com advert. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, she would crush for stamps.com. Yeah. Print at home. I'm on one. <laughs> I should have picked an example that was one of our actual sponsors. Yeah, probably. That's uh, free stamps. Point. Should we retake that? <laughs> <laughs> she had to stop for her. The great courses plus. <laughs> Get a free month. I still love that's one of my favorite SNL sketches of all time. David Allen Greer doing Maya Angelou doing various ad reads. Have you seen that? No, that's hysterical though. Maya Angelou for Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, you float on the wings of the wind. <laughs> that's hysterical. Yeah, yeah. Fruity loops, loops of fruit. Flinders University associate professor Trevor Worthy said no one had ever discovered an extinct giant parrot anywhere until now. New Zealand is well known for its giant birds, he says. Not only moa-dominated aquifaunas, ac- sorry, avifaunas, there we go. Mm. That makes more sense. Oh, avifaunas as in bird, bird, bird animals. Wa- animals. <laughs> bird birds, yeah. yeah. That's a fancy name for that. But giant geese and adzibils, adzibils, shared the forest floor while a giant eagle ruled the skies. Cool. We've been excavating these fossil deposits for 20 years, and each year reveals new birds and other animals. Well, Heracles is one of the most spectacular birds we've found. No doubt there are many more unexpected species yet to be discovered in this most interesting deposit. Hmm. Uh, So this research paper is published in Biology Letters and features experts from Flinders University, UNSW Sydney, and Canterbury Museum. The researchers said in their paper, the New Zealand mainland is larger and more ecologically complex than most islands and lacking mammalian predators predictably has produced the greatest diversity of giant avians anywhere. Yeah, because if mammals were there, we'd take we'd care, of care of that. Right. Things, yeah. Professor Mike Archer from UNSW Sydney's Paleontology, Geobiology and Earth's Archive Research Center said the rarity of the find might suggest it fed higher up in the food chain. Hmm. Heracles as the largest parrot ever, no doubt with a massive parrot beak that could crack wide open anything it fancied, may well have dined on more than conventional parrot foods, perhaps even other parrots. (laughs) (laughs) Parrot-eating parrot, discovered in New Zealand. Uh, Did you ever discover any giant parrots on your archaeological digs? Never did. However, if we had, we would have to put our tools down. We were specifically cultural anthropologists. We'd have to bring in paleontologists if we discovered. Oh, that makes sense. kind of... uh, what if one of the giant parrots was used as a tool? Then yes. If we discovered a giant parrot beak axe or something, well, I was thinking more of a all record us. player. It's a living <laughs> garbage disposal. Yeah. 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 Uh, this rules. I love this. Love the idea of a meter high parrot. Yep. Did you see the size comparison silhouette thing? I did. Love love the idea that uh, New Zealand is a fucking fabled island of the of the mega birds. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
I love the, the picture. They, they have a size comparison of just the silhouette of this giant bird. It's, again, a meter tall, next to a really sassy-looking sort of Charlie's Angels <laughs> yeah, woman. Yeah, she, she does have kind of a hand-on-the-hip thing yeah. going on. It's like Jacqueline Smith for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you can check out this link. It really is. It, it shows you side-by-side side, a regular-sized bird, this giant parrot, and a woman who can kick ass. Yeah, yeah she sort of has a contrapasto stance, if I'm using that <laughs> word correctly, weight on her left hip, a little sass. Is that what that word means from art class? I, I don't know. I, I do not know. I'd not heard that word before. I'm going to look okay. it up later, though. Sure. I'll hit you up if you were wrong. <laughs> Just I call d- out like, you're wrong, and hang up again. <laughs> Click. <laughs> yeah, I think it does, actually. Sure. Would you guys hang out with, like, a meter-high bird? I don't I know. Don't I used so. to live with a normal-sized parrot, and it was not a pleasant animal. Yeah, they scream. And pecked. And they pe- it yeah, it wasn't... It was, but then again, maybe... You know how small dogs can often be more yappy and unpleasant? To strangers? Than, yeah, sometimes larger dogs are more chill, although... I was talking about this with our friend and former co-host, Jesse, and like, Jesse was making the point that... Oh, by the way, check out Jesse versus Cancer. Yes, still knocking around. <laughs> but... Uh, Jesse made the point that smaller dogs are often more likely to be dicks just because people are less worried about training them. Sure, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I guess it, that could... I like, mean, if you've got a pit bull, they normally have to be well-behaved because if they're not, it's a problem. Yeah. And also, if they're not, then you get rid of them pretty quickly. Yeah. So a large dog that sticks around is normally a well-behaved dog, whereas a small dog that kind of is a bit yappy and bitey, like, ah, screw it. It'll, yeah, people are just like, shut up, damage. whatever. Exactly. There's got to be something genetic, though, about, like, faster metabolism and, uh, I don't know. Right? Maybe. It can't all be training, can it? May Or training and also selection, just in terms of large dogs that bite, get naturally selected out Destroyed. or unnaturally selected out of the yeah. pool unnaturally yeah. I, so maybe um, that also is um, maybe also that then does filter you know just filters them through whereas the genes that make animals a little bit more yappy or vicious might stick around for longer in sure. smaller, smaller animals I can see that if, uh, if we got any experts in this field write in there's a I don't know even what field it would necessarily be but canonology there must be a term for a person who it's sort of evolutionary biology Evolutionary veterinary biology. I don't sure. <laughs> behavioral psychology. Whoever wrote that article we did a few weeks ago about um, how we we bred do- our dogs that have you know, expressive eyes stuck around because we connected with them more. Yep. I don't know. Uh, you want to do a quick story sent in by Christopher Cooper? Not even a story. It's a it's a picture. It's an image. But I I've loved pouring over it. Um, I'm still hoping to hear back from Jeopardy from that time that we took the online test together. No word yet. No word yet. Uh, Alex, if you're listening, still waiting. Um, but Christopher sent us a link to uh, a periodic table that shows the frequency that each chemical element has been used as a correct answer on Jeopardy. Hey, all right. And uh, number one with a bullet, can you guess what element? I've I've got it open right now. I'm going to so guess. Can, I'm going to leave you to guess it because I've just seen it by oh, accident. No. What's your favorite element? Hmm, that's tough. See, helium is a lot of fun. Helium is a very prevalent. I think that look, it's, he, it's color coded. I think helium's been used about I, forty or fifty. It says times. I've got it zoomed out here. Sixty-three, sixty-three oh, times of helium. Okay. I'm going to guess that the number one answer with a hundred and three answers on Jeopardy, correct answers, hydrogen. No, but That's hydrogen's 60. up there as well. That's also sixty. Damn, that was my guess. Think valuable. Uranium. That's also high. 42 times that's been a right answer. Gold. Gold. There we go. 103 right. times. But is it... I, I want to know whether that is always in the context of a chemical answer. 
Hmm. Like, has it mean which element, or is it also... Uh, color, or... Yeah, or could it be, for example, what does a recording studio, a recording artist receive off... Yeah, yeah. I, I think... What color record think, does a recording artist receive after somebody plays, or something like that? Or? I think, by and large, you're good. Yes, there are more answers with the word, word gold than there would be for, like, uranium. You know, there's no such thing yes. as a uranium le- uh, album, or, like, there's no flags with the color uranium on them. <laughs> exactly. But I'm looking at the ones that have never been used, and you, you'd think there are, are some good clue, clue-worthy things, like ones that are named for people. What pe- star lesbian has never had sex with a man? <laughs> <laughs> tungsten. Yeah, <laughs> tungsten star lesbian. Um, there are ones named for Copernicus and, you know, places like Livermore, and those would be good questions. Because, Einsteinium? Yeah, but Einsteinium, I think, has been... I can't find sure, that quickly. that makes sense. Um, you can't just search this one. Where Einsteinium has got to be in those ones down. It's below. high. It's one. It has come up exactly once. It's okay. ninety nine. It's. Hmm. But yeah, Copernicum, Copernicum maybe hasn't been used at all. Uh, but yeah, gold's one hundred and three times. Silver or iron is next at seventy six. Uh, silver has been seventy four answers on Jeopardy. And iron as well. Iron is a. Uh, iron, oh, but well, it could I have other meanings. Yeah, iron is also a noun. Clothes. It's a verb. Right. It's true true it's an adjective oxygen sure. is a network is it? so it's been 71 times but yep. who knows um yes thank you christopher that's I, i'll get a bone up on this if i get that call come on guys just give me a chance yeah you gotta you gotta know your elements you gotta know your rivers you gotta know your presidents you gotta know your shakespeare oh yeah you gotta know your bible mm-hmm. that, that'd be a tough one to bone up on quickly but I feel like the Bible is in almost every episode. But it would be a very rewarding one because you'd oh, of course. receive the truth as you went along. Maybe you ultimately would decide that uh, you don't want to be on this game show that's technically a form of gambling. Oh, very good point. Is that that's expressly true. forbidden somewhere? Sure. <laughs> I, I bet, yeah. I think just in one, in one of... Sodom and Gomorrah must have had some gambling going on. Right? I think it's just that the devil is like into it the devil loves jeopardy <laughs> i'm a trivia nut what could i say i love evil and trivia i hate the lord he tempted me in the form of a question <laughs> what is an apple uh what else do you want to talk about here? I, got- I think i think a few people sent this in including listener mike and there's no last name here because andy it wasn't in this email uh, mike always just refers to himself as mike in the emails so it's the tardigrades. Tardigrades. Love the tardigrades, tardigrades stranded on the moon after a lunar lander crash. I saw this story earlier in the week, and I don't know whether how intentional this was. It, it was, was during a failed landing attempt. So tardigrades, we've talked about these on the show before. They're also known as water bears, and there's an, I'm trying to remember there's another name for them as well that's also cute. But they are these tiny microorganisms that seem to be the most resilient things extremophiles just absurdly resilient they can yeah. withstand extremely high temperatures and extremely low temperatures almost down ab- to absolute zero they can deal with zero humidity and moisture they can ex- they can exist in like the void of space right they can exist in the void of space they can exist in absolute dryness and then they once you sort of rehydrate them and bring them up to something approaching room temperature they just reanimate and they're alive again yeah so cool. Moss piglets is, might have been what you're looking for. That is exactly piglets? the That's phrase adorable. I was trying to think of. Yeah, this came up on our episode of Bree Pru- Pruitt, and I thought she was making this thing up. Oh, it yeah. Was, I learned that it existed thanks oh, to Oh, water bears are the, the best. Air, the so, I know a number of people who have little plush 
Tardigrades. Oh, really? And yeah, it's great. A wonderful addition to the home. I'm sponsored by Tardigrades. That could be a good uh, a Christmas uh, gift idea there. I want to see that fossil. Guinea pig-sized water bear. <laughs> that would be fucking cool. I mean, actually, kind of gross. I bet it would be horrifying. Yeah. It's not like it just, I think they have, they have uh, um, you know, bald guinea pigs. And sure. And they're creepy looking. Sure. What that would be? I know a couple of people who have those bald cats too. Yeah, sphinx cats can't do it. It's it's a strange. They do look odd. It's like petting a knee. Uh, that's a nice way, a better choice than what I was going to go yeah. with. But yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, it's sure. petting a knee. Yeah. <laughs> I want to touch a knee. I can do that for free. That's true. I have two. Uh, see, these tardigrades were they crash landed on the lunar surface. Yeah, they were the, the Israeli spacecraft Bereshit crashed into the moon during a failed landing attempt on April eleventh. And, Way to go. Yeah, in doing so, it may have strewn the lunar surface with thousands of dehydrated tardigrades. It was a robotic lander, but it didn't transport astronauts. It did carry human DNA samples, along with the aforementioned tardigrades, and 30 million very small digitized pages of information about human society and culture. However, it's unknown if the archive and the water bears survived the explosive impact when it crashed. Oh, boy, this feels like an act one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big time. It really. Does. I thought they have to be... But there were rules about. I thought there introducing... were some very careful rules about. Yeah, exactly about um, con- conservation and ecological purity and not yeah. contaminating other. I was looking to look that up and see if maybe that only applies to other planets. And the moon, we're just like, yeah, it's just our neighbors, so we don't care. Yeah. Or I don't, I don't well, know. also, also, like you would have to make crashing your spaceship illegal. <laughs> well, there's also theoretically hu- plenty of human and bacteria and. Earth-based bacteria and virus on the moon from the landing. I'll say. <laughs> uh, you know what they were doing up there. Yeah. <laughs> but Golfing, air quotes. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter how... I'm sure they did try as much as possible to make all the equipment and sure. the inside of their... and outside of their stuff sterile, but they were... They were not wearing... Oh, yeah. Well, they, they weren't wearing, like, the helmets and stuff when they were inside the thing, and then they put the helmets on, so they're bacteria from their breath and everything is going to be on the outside of their suit which then lands on the moon so good point it is transferring sure now whether any of that can survive because there's no atmosphere mm-hmm. up there and it's pretty un- inhospitable i don't i don't know but maybe they were spitting everywhere yeah peeing wherever they wanted so i want to say that yeah we've just decided that the moon is so inhospitable that we don't care as much but i'm not sure if that's uh it's considered to be not of interest for prebiotic chemistry and origins of life Mm, can't find the rules. There is a lengthy article on interplanetary contamination on Wikipedia, but I'm not sure hmm. how the moon differs from others. So, so tardigrades can survive being chilled down to minus 200 degrees Celsius, which is what's that about 73 Kelvin? It's pretty. That's very cold. Yeah. And then, uh, my, more than 149 Celsius heat. That's 300 Fahrenheit. So they can get substantially over the boiling point of water yeah and still so boiling water boiling water if there's some tardigrades in it will not kill those tardigrades yeah resilient motherfuckers they can survive radiation a vacuum of space they can also dehydrate their bodies into a state known as a ton t-u-n they retract their heads and legs expel the water from their bodies and shrivel up into a tiny ball scientists have found that tardigrades can revive from this dehydrated state after more than a decade that's so wild yeah and terrifying to some degree. They they will outlive all of us. Yeah. 
And evidently, you can't boil them. How are you supposed to eat these things? Am I right? <laughs> well, they soften. I'm hungry for bear. Get me some moss piglets. <laughs> this uh, this article, by the way, has a link next to it. Just it's just one of the linked articles. That is, woman gets second degree, degree burns from vaginal steaming. I saw that as well. <laughs> I thought you were going to say second degree burns from trying to boil tardigrades. <laughs> Don't listen to Gwyneth, everybody. Yeah. That you should never steam your vagina. Don't steam your anything. Unless you want to open it without anyone realizing. (laughs) (laughs) And then reseal it. Espionage purposes. (laughs) Reseal it in the factory ceiling. (laughs) Yeah, up in Canada that that happened. Trying to see if we can directly blame Goop. Mamma mia. I know. I think I believe. It's got to be, right? I believe there will be information. Our friend of the show, Jen Gunter, is about to. Her book is almost out The Vagina Bible. Oh, excellent. Dr. Dr. Jen Gunter, her, uh, the internet's gynecologist, uh-huh. has a book called The Vagina Bible that is, if not out yet, it's got to be about to be out. I've seen pre-orders and the like. It's if great. If you enjoyed the episode that we did with her at the San Francisco Sketch Fest about three months ago, four months ago, mm-hmm. check out the book. Hopefully vaginal steamings will decrease after the book comes out. We'll see. Can you swear in on that? During a giving testimony in court, because that's what I want to put my hand on the vaginal Bible. I should be allowed to pick any book book. that's important to you, can't you? If that's your religion. And it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to give more detail about the rules for various planets. So if you go to Mercury, you need no precautions at all. (laughs) Fuck Mercury, Mercury. huh? (laughs) Wow. If you go to the moon, Is is that just because Mercury is so. I'm assuming inhospitable. Inhospitable to life. It's a it's just, loser. It's so near to the sun that it's just going to bake anything anyway. Yeah. Yeah, this is a NASA policy that they developed in 1963, the Unmanned Spacecraft Decontamination Policy. Um, the moon requires documentation, but nothing more, while destinations such as Mars require sterilization of the rovers sent there. Hmm. So I guess we care more about, or think maybe there's a greater chance of us doing some harm. But again, once humans, if humans do land on Mars, that would... Again, it would be almost impossible to keep bacteria sure. and viruses away from that because yeah. unless you're sealed in your suit the entire journey, which you're not going to want to do that for... You can't even do that. You've got to eat and... I mean, we've already put you know probes, drones, robots on Mars, so I, I would imagine... I would imagine that flying through the void of space would, to some degree, have a sterilizing quality. But it's about the interior that eventually... Right. Yeah. Some part of the well, interior... Well, unless... Becomes... I, I guess the way you could do it, maybe is if there is some kind of sterile decontamination process that you could go through in a in a sterile route like your suits Airlock. your space suits mm-hmm. that you're going to sit that you're going to wear and your vehicle and everything are, are in this separate sterile room you as much as possible sterilize the outside of your mm-hmm. body you go through some kind of sterilizing shower then get into like a one layer of suit mm-hmm. then go through another sterilizer process get into then get into the space suit maybe so maybe none of your dna from the inside of you has got onto the outside of that suit sure. maybe I mean, at but some even point, still, I would say that's very hard to do. It's tough. And at some point, you're entering. There's always an airlock. It's never just an open door to Mars. So then, when you're in that room, eventually the air in that room has just to get let door. out, and it can only get let out into the Martian atmosphere, yeah. right? Yeah. So that, in and of itself, hang on. Sorry, say that again. The- I'm assuming there's no way to get on and off a spacecraft without an airlock of some sort, right? But again, so, maybe you step into one airlock and then there's like a decontamination shower or something that... Yeah, I guess. You get sprayed. You and the air around you get sprayed with 
Maybe that's yeah. some kind of antiseptic spray. What they need is an ooze. What's an ooze? You dip people in some sort Ooh. of antibiotic, antiseptic ooze. The abyss style? Can you breathe yes. in it? I want so, absolutely. Or you go through the ooze. You swim through the ooze into the sterile room. Mm. So by the time oh. you go, you go into the uh-huh. ooze. Uh huh. What if the space? Like one of those hotel pools that's indoor and outdoor, but it's exactly. like the, yeah, those are the best. Okay, the spacesuit itself, complete with antiseptic ooze, is 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 submerged below the ooze level, and you, <laughs> you step swim. into it, squelch your way through it. Okay, and then the final process is you duck your head under the water and put the mask on, and well, then I mean, some air, and then some air pumps into it to give you the airspace that you can breathe. But or then you are, just get in the suit and jump in the ooze and then go underneath the thingy and then. Uh, but then, aren't you? Wouldn't you be leaving? Oh yeah, that's a point. Why am I doing all of that? Yeah, once you're once you're in the suit, you could just get fully sprayed down. The outside of you and the airlock. Once you're inside the suit, could be yeah. sprayed down. That's much more simple. Are, are we worried about? Getting... Have people at home already been just shouting that at there? <laughs> are we worried just about slathering Mars with ooze? That's a good point. The ooze itself. What is? The, we 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 have this unobtainium. We've just hypothesized this this ooze that's magically antiseptic. Antiseptic ooze from the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just, uh, all I'm picturing is just the blue water from a barbershop. Yeah, is that me too. It yeah, me too. It's just a giant. Yeah. It's you and Combs. I think we've got maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe uh, like, uh, hand sanitizer yeah. stuff. Sure. This uh, this sounds like we have some misconceptions about science right now, doesn't it, Matt? <laughs> oh. If, if only there were some way that a highly acclaimed scientist could disabuse us of those misconceptions that would be the best disabuse great word i love that i believe there is thanks to the great courses plus we love this sponsor i i hope a bunch of you have been signing up we've had some messages please let us know they're very cool they give you access to hundreds and hundreds of world-class lecturers giving talks on the things that they know best and we've been watching the great series, uh, Understanding the Misconceptions of Science, hosted by Professor Don Lincoln, PhD. Yeah, he's a he's a senior scientist at the Fermi National Accelerator Lab. So a proper scientist. By the way, this course is so much better than misunderstanding the conceptions of science, which we did earlier on from a <laughs> far less far less scrupulous course. Yes, uh, that was one of our earlier sponsors. <laughs> Um, so episodes within this or lectures within this series that are great include untangling how quantum mechanics works, which is great because so much whenever quantum mechanics is brought up in popular culture, it's almost always like head slappingly wrong. And uh, there's a great episode about how relativity is misunderstood. Yep. How statistics can lie to you. I particularly like that one. Yeah. As a former maths sort of student right how, how averages and percentages can make certain statistics seem shocking exposing the truth about radiation it's a great series but that's just one of as you said hundreds of other lecture series you can find on the great courses plus and if you go to the great courses plus.com slash probably you can access all of these for a month for free so there's really no reason not to go check it out yeah you, can- you could do all sorts of things there's science there's arts courses there's everything you might want we've been particularly doing the science ones because that's kind of our thing. It'd be weird not to, mm-hmm. but check it out. Jump around courses or really deep dive into one. Do what you like. Pick and choose. It gives you access to everything across any number of different platforms from your phone to your TV to your laptop. Yeah, that is a great thing about it because I love having, you know, I hate having to jump between different devices if I'm already looking at shit yeah. on my Fire TV, which is my main source. You'll be halfway of- through that episode and then think, oh, I want to watch, listen to the rest of it as I'm driving. Yeah, and you switch yeah. it over to podcast mode on your phone. Yeah, you could do so, it on your laptop, on your set-top box, on so, your phone as audio. So once again, thegreatcoursesplus.com 
slash probably, and you get a one-month trial. Check it out, and then, yeah, write to us and tell us what you've been watching, because we're curious. How about a story from Sean Robertson, or Roberson, perhaps, about how a super thin slice of wood can be used to turn salt water drinkable? Uh, no. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's do that one. I like it. Thanks, so, Sean. Yeah, filtering the salt from seawater can take a lot of energy or specialized engineering. Um, a thin membrane made of porous wood may be able to fix that. In membrane distillation, salty water is pumped through a film, usually made of some sort of polymer with very narrow pores that filters out the salt and only allow water molecules through. Jason ran at Princeton University and his colleagues developed a new kind of membrane made of natural wood instead of plastic. If you think of traditional water filtration, you need very high pressure pumping to squeeze the water through, so it uses a lot of energy. This is more energy efficient, and it doesn't use fossil fuel-based materials like many other membranes for water filtration. So uh, this is made of a very thin piece of American basswood, maybe basswood. I don't know if this is a guitar used for low-end, uh, uh, wood used for guitars or not, but uh, American or you, basswood. Or used for, for basses. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's most... It's <laughs> what most bass are made out of. Sure. Or at least covered in. <laughs> this, uh, this American basswood undergoes a chemical treatment to strip away extra fibers in the wood and to make sure its surface and to make its surface slippery to water molecules. Okay. One side of the membrane is heated so that when water flows over that side, it's vaporized. The water vapor then travels through the pores in the membrane toward its colder side and leaves the salt behind, condensing as fresh, cool water. That takes far less energy than simply boiling, boiling all the salt water because there's no need to maintain a high temperature for more than a thin layer of water hmm. at, at a time. That's really clever. Oh yeah. my God, it sounds like we've done it. Uh, I, I was it, just wondering how much you could do at a time because that's got to be the measure of whether it's useful and they can do about 20 kilograms of water per square meter of membrane per hour. 20 kilograms per hour. I mean, that's... Isn't a kilogram of water also a liter? I think that is Am I true. right about that or have that I got, sounds like have I got the calculation things. wrong? One kilogram yeah, a cubic of centimeter is water a milliliter. in volume at standard temperature and pressure. It is a thousand cubic centimeters. <laughs> Wait a second. Is a hold on a second. <laughs> it's like an even more complicated answer. Love that. Uh, is a liter? Yeah, a thousand one cu- liter of water a has a cu- mass of exactly one kilogram. When measured at regular de- at maximal density, which occurs at around four degrees C, so okay. obviously with temperature and pressure, and th- it does vary, but approximately one. Ki- so we're talking. Why don't they just give us units then? So we're talking about twenty liters of water per square meter of membrane per hour. So it's not quite as quick as polymer membranes, but so picture ten two-liter bottles. That's an easy ten. One. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think that's a more appropriate comparison for American listeners. Ten. Pepsis. 10 Pepsis, 10 giant-ass Pepsis per square meter of wood per hour, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not quite as quick as polymer membranes. They think that might be because they didn't have the equipment to make the membrane as thin. It's 500 micrometers thick, whereas the polymer membranes are generally closer to 130 micrometers thick. What have you guys been using to purify your Pepsi? (laughs) (laughs) I did take take a mechanic's advice and dump some Coca-Cola on the... um, residue on my car battery like the corrosion yeah. and yeah it just goes just really? goes right away and makes Crazy. you think you probably shouldn't put this in your body well, you know? hang on you put 
just poured some coke on this like uh, blue crystalline building. Yeah, because Holly's car battery has a load of that. It went dead the other day. We had jump started, and we had I had to sort of chip away some of this stuff just to even get to. I didn't even touch it. Just poured some coke on there. Coke. Wow. Run away. We put that in and our that bodies. That doesn't then just corrode the rest of the stuff around it. Do you I have asked to the rinse guy it off? if it's okay to do. He said, "Yeah, sure." And I'm probably gonna get a new battery soon too. And you probably should also. But uh, for now, it looks. You want to have a pretty battery. You know, it's important sure. to have a nice looking yeah, yeah, yeah. car battery. In case you bring someone home. Sure. Or... Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, let's do coke off the car battery. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Wait, what do you mean exactly? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, we've had a whole conversation about Coca-Cola. Um, yeah. Yeah, extra good uses for coke. I always wanted to do the thing where you put a tooth in a cup of coke right. overnight. And it's supposed to dissolve, but I just, you know, I, I can't keep teeth around the house. <laughs> I just eat them all. <laughs> uh, once you pop. Right? Yeah. Reminds me of that Futurama, the ad at the top of Futurama where it's like, Thompson's teeth, the only teeth strong enough to eat other teeth. <laughs> it's like a guy crunching through a bowl of teeth. Oh, God, that's amazing. <laughs> it's horrifying and wonderful. That show is so great. Matt, do you have something else for us? I thought I did, but it was a dead link. Dead link. It was well. It was a new, we're reading off New Scientist right now, and we still have yet to buy a New Scientist login. Oh right, yeah. We should really use some of our kind donation money to do that. That's true. That's true. Uh, well, I was just in France. I was just in Paris, staying very near to the being repla- repaired Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. They're zhuzhing it up. They are zhuzhing it up after the fire did some damage and really, you know. Oof. How'd you like to be that guy? That's the uh, uh, Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Madame O'Leary. I am so sorry about my cow. (laughs) keeps putting the cows in the cathedral. I was smoking. (laughs) Uh, He's the cow. He's next to the lantern and the baguettes and they're highly flammable. I don't know what this accent is. (laughs) So Chris Nelson, one of our listener friends, sent to this story that the fire apparently spread toxic lead dust all over Paris, cool, 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 including cool, cool, cool. presumably the area barely half a mile from the cathedral on fire where we were staying. Wonderful. So that's nice. This origin story for future hunchbacks. I think yeah. <laughs> right? Three months after the devastating fire, reports of a new, previously unheeded threat to local residents have em- emerged, lead poisoning. Mm. According to confidential documents leaked to the website media part earlier this month and discussed across french media locations surrounding the fire damaged cathedral have registered levels of lead contamination ranging between 500 and 800 times the official safe level that's pretty high the building's roof and spire were clad in several hundred tons of the metal which can be toxic if particles are inhaled or consumed especially to children the blaze that consumed the cathedral's roof liquefied oceans of lead and lofted a plume of lead particles across the city wow uh, so this month's lead alert has triggered the indefinite closure of two local schools and halt to all new work on the cathedral site. This week, the French environmental NGO Robin Dubois announced it would take to the city, take the city of Paris to court, accusing it of neglecting public health and even of deliberate endangerment of people. The dispute raises some troubling and not yet fully answerable questions. Why did the city not reveal the possible public health dangers related to the fire sooner? And exactly how badly has the region been contaminated? Yeesh. 
Yeah, Parisian authorities must surely have been aware of the scale of the disaster they were dealing with when fire attacked the massive medieval structure on April 15th. 450 tons of lead that made up the roof's various layers melted in temperatures exceeding 800 Celsius. That's tardigrade killing temperatures. For sure. That's 1472 Fahrenheit, by the way, for any of you Americans listening. Goblets of fluid metal splashed and contaminated the church's stone work throughout. Dang. As... I mean, that sounds badass. Yeah. It's uh, not even any jet fuel either, and somehow it managed to get that hot. <laughs> As the smoke's yellow t- tinge suggested, lead was also vaporized, creating what Robin Dubois called a toxic fallout of lead dust that was deposited downwind. Creating what Robin Dubois called fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> so they're still using basically like the flame test that you do at high school chemistry. Sure. Just to see the color and know that, yeah. Yeah. Remember, did you have to do that? I th- that sounds right. Yeah. Um, it, it, probably just because of some of those like super showy kind of things that yeah, but we had to do that. Cool. I, I think when I did my A level chemistry, that was part of the practical exam. You had sort of various unidentified crystals and powders, and you had to snort them all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you dip it in. You di- you have like a little wire thing, wire loop on the end of a metal stick, and you yeah. dip it in some solvents, and you dip it in the crystals, and then you put it in the Bunsen burner flame. That sounds familiar now. Yeah, and. And then you're meant to remember what the different colors mean. By the color, you can tell what tell. So, yeah, them what so, it so was. copper is, I think, mm-hmm. bluish. Yeah. Then cobalt is green, I think. Yeah. Ranch is. Uh, like yeah. <laughs> Identify green. lead by the smell of yeah. its smoke. It's delicious. <laughs> On. This is clearly Einsteinium. <laughs> Copernicium. Flame test colors. Here we go. Uh, on May 13th, almost a month after the fire. The city of Paris first tested lead levels at schools and kindergartens near the cathedral, apparently informing principals in the affected area that there was no significant health risk. Mm. That's not good. Advice made public to residents on and near the Ile de la Cité by the regional health agency went no further than advising everyone to clean away dust with a wet cloth and seek medical advice Oof. if necessary. It doesn't Duct seem tape, like plastic bags. Yeah. <laughs> Inflate <laughs> your tires. Yeah, yeah if there's any lead on your child's face, just blow it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> blow it off the kid's face. Let your kid uh, grow a layer of lead to protect them from future <laughs> incidents. Um, this sounds to me like there's uh, an evil mayor afoot. Yeah. It does, just... We can't close down the city at peak tourist time. I'm making so much money off of Paris. <laughs> is that the Amity uh, mayor? Yeah. <laughs> is that the right place? Is that the Jaws place? That, that is. is. Yeah, place, yeah. I believe. Jaws. This mo- I've seen Jaws two or three times recently just because it keeps being on in bars that I've been in. Great. Really? I've just seen Jaws the animal two or three times on carts. I was working on the Universal lot and we would oh, go past the Jaws exhibit sure, on sure, the way sure. to get lunch. Exhibit oh, is the wrong word. Exhibit, Bruce. Yeah. yeah, his tank. <laughs> I think it's an exhibit because it is sort of a... Oh, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bruce the Shark. Is that the name of it? That's his name. Jaws isn't named, isn't named Jaws. He's named Bruce. Is it the name of the animatronic shark they used was Bruce. Oh, I thought maybe this was like a Frankenstein's monster. Oh, thing. no, 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 Jaws, no. The Jaws no. isn't called Jaws. It's Jaws' shark. No. Um, it's Jaws's shark, <laughs> made by Professor Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have we, yeah. By the way, have we all seen Frankenstein's Monsters Monster, Monster, Monster Frankenstein? Frankenstein? I haven't <laughs> seen it. It's, it's 
Very meta. It's on Netflix, right? Yeah. I'll watch it. It's very it's very silly. I think if you're a fan of Goth Moringi, you'd probably very sure. much enjoy very this. Garth- okay, sold. In, in that Cross it's between cut- that and Orson Welles. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a direct parody in there of the Orson Welles uh, Paul Masson champagne yeah. adverts. Great, yeah. great. I'm definitely watching that. I watched the new Rocco's Modern Life today. It's great. Uh, what was that again? It was, a, it was a cartoon from like Nickelodeon in the 90s, okay. and they just did a new one for Netflix, and it was wonderful. I think I missed it. Yeah. Let's go check out Rocco's. Oh, Rocco's. Wonderful. And Frankenstein's Monsters, Monster Frankenstein, which also has uh, Kate Berlant, friend of the show. Has she been on? Oh, I don't think That's she actually too has. Many years. I don't know. But I, uh, very I, funny. And also shows up in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, she's that in that. I saw her. That's Kate Berlant up on screen there. Yeah. Did you guys both see that movie? I, yeah. I have seen it. There is a 15 minute long stretch in the middle in the, in the movie within the movie where Leonardo DiCaprio is just playing Glenn Wool. <laughs> Sure. That's what you thought of that character with the mustache? Like, because it's, it's not just the look; it's the mannerisms. Like, it's the the sort of way he sort of winks at the camera and stuff in between lines. Like, that's how have you seen Glenn do stand up? That's like, like <laughs> I'm not saying it's a it's it's you don't think very likely saw. coincidental, yeah. but it's not impossible. It's sure. not impossible that at some point I saw a clip of Glenn doing stand up and went, "Oh, that's a little thing to." That's, that's a high high praise to Glenn because that's probably the scene that's going to get Leo an Oscar from that movie. That's it's a great uh, scene. Friend of the show, Glenn Wool. Yeah. Look up his stand-up and his... Ep- that was a fun episode that, that he did when he was, was in town. Was that a whale penis episode? A, whale quite, mouth penis? It was probably it's one like, of several <laughs> whale penis episodes. Could you guys not talk about other funner Sorry. episodes? Sorry. <laughs> just reminiscing about here. better guests than you. <laughs> Jordan, you know you know how this is going. You shouldn't take this personally. Yeah, yeah. great. I thought we, I thought it was great. I find out like this. <laughs> I think this could be this could be an upper echelon episode. Yeah, yeah. It's just currently batting high. Let's it's let's going bring it home. Great. Let's bring it home strong, listeners. With some more. Horror. Oh, I shit myself. No. <laughs> that I ruined actually, it. No, that would make it the best episode we've ever. You don't know this podcast. That would make it easily top ten. Great. See what I can do. <laughs> You'd have to hear it, though. Oh, yeah. Also, Once Upon a Time Hollywood shot also near the Jaws ah. uh, thing on the Universal lot. Like, I was looking at the, the buildings in the background, and I was like, at lunch tomorrow, I got to go try to find that building. Sure, sure. And I was like, yeah, there's that general store with the established 1835. Oh, wow. And that's like 100 yards from my office. <laughs> All right. It's kind of fun. Hollywood. 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 And then after the screening in North Hollywood, I ran into Nitro from American Gladiators. Hey, like, how's Hollywood? he doing? He's great. Yeah? He gave me back advice. He had his that's he had a couple vertebrae fused. And, Nitro. Uh, thank you, Nitro. Man, that's great to hear because I always, for a long time, I've thought about, like, it must be hard for them post- <laughs> He, I read some of his some to of his, find work. Some of his memoir. I didn't realize how huge that show was. Like back when TV numbers were fucking massive, yeah. that was syndicated, but still like twenty million people would watch it. Crazy. Yeah, he was like a superstar on the level of like a Schwarzenegger or Stallone wow. in the early nineties. Yeah. And then he's just trying to get work as an insurance adjuster. <laughs> what are your strengths? Well, if a guy is on a pillar, yeah, and I have a tennis ball, and cannon. I have a tennis ball cannon. I'm pretty sure I could hit that guy. <laughs> Do you guys have any giant Q-tips around? Because I could really demonstrate. Yeah, I'm my fucking deadly with a giant Q-tip. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm just walking from my car to the office. But if you got like rings that I <laughs> <laughs> that I can swing from one end of this lot to the other, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. Interesting. Interesting. What what would you say your weaknesses are? <laughs> 
there's this guy named Turbo. <laughs> who might, you guys don't have a Turbo in the office, do you? <laughs> who might show up at some point <laughs> calling me out. We used to work together. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, want, I want this to be a show now. I right? want to see the American Office Gladiators. Then American Gladiator interviewing for something. But I, I just want to believe that there's like a 30-year-long beef. Yeah. They're still going after each other in plain clothes on the street. Or they're, go, or they're constantly going for the same job yeah, yeah. because it's the only one that's hiring gladiator types. They're just sitting in the waiting room glaring at each other. Yeah. Turbo. <laughs> Nitro. They open the door to the interview room and it's just like an uphill conveyor belt going down. <laughs> Damn it. Perfect. <laughs> that was uh, also the premise of a fucking phenomenal. Dan Harmon had a short-lived show that was sort of a Channel 101 for TV. Yeah, every episode had five, four or five sub episodes. Sure, sure. An audience would vote which ones continue. Oh, that's fine. And there was I forgot what it was called, but basically, pedophile gladiators is a cross between oh, to catch a predator and, really and American gladiators. Hilarious. So they would hear this like teenage girl's voice from across the room, and a door would open, and they'd have to go through an obstacle course. Good to God, get to the that's child. hilarious. It's fucking amazing wow. and awful. Yeah, uh, it was called Acceptable TV. If oh, you nice. Look that up from like 2007, probably. Interesting. Very funny. Oh, uh, wait. Did we have more sad things about lead? Well, there is no real safe level, according to this article. And ah. also, even though they found that the average level is below what they've deemed acceptable, <laughs> that doesn't mean that there aren't areas where it's more concentrated and therefore more dangerous. Ah, is the you can have a little lead. version of that. Sure. Have some lead. <laughs> you work hard. You've earned it. <laughs> you want some lead? If I got lead for the table, would I don't want to look like a fatty. Table lead. You guys will have some of this lead. Table lead. Don't make me finish this. This gray dust. We'll stick our pinkies in. Oh, God. Um, we probably have time for one more quick story. Yeah, we... why not? Do you like talking about dick pics, or is that too, uh, too bad of a topic to follow up lead contamination? I love talking about dick pics. We could also... Let's do not... the dick pic story. Yeah, okay. I mean, I guess it's sort of heartening. At the end, there's a nice little bow on it that uh, basically... the the, There's a bow on the dick? Yes. (laughs) This is a fun story. This is a Vice article. I think it's their first Vice story, but it doesn't mean it's not real science. Um, So men who send unsolicited dick pics are bigger narcissists. Bigger narcissists, a study finds, which sounds sort of common sense-y, but... um, By the way, this article is illustrated with a stock photo courtesy of adobe stock which features a man in sweatpants in jogging bottoms bottoms. pulling his elasticated waistband out and taking a photo from above which is the worst angle to try and take a dick pic that's a bad dick dick pic angle yeah what's the what's the best dick pic angle well well, from that just from that angle it's the same as your dick always looks smaller when you're looking at it compared to if you look in the mirror because you're looking at the worst you're looking it's a point you're looking along the length of it, so the it's going to... The perspective of it is going to be squash. It's going to be smaller. The appropriate angle right. is you get a butcher block. You put, like, some cheese and bread okay. around, and you put it on like that. Like, it's a sandwich it's like from Panera Bread. Oh, okay. <laughs> you put your dick on the butcher block. And then dust it with some flour. Exactly. Precisely. Just, just so it looks rustic. <laughs> you brush it with olive oil. <laughs> dust it with some flour. Add mayo if you want, but that's sort of a... Uh, sure. That's too... Sorry. Um, I, I'm thinking yeah. maybe like in a little cup to the side of it. Okay. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> what's the... Ter- a ramekin? Yeah. A sure. ramekin, precisely. 
Um, yeah, that's also this is also the angle of I know I'm always just quoting other sketch shows, but Matt Bronger's Weight Watchers parody from Mad TV, where they're all pulling out their old pants to show how big they used to be. But as soon as it's Matt, he pulls the pants out and down. <laughs> they have to blur, every time, like, no, you just have to. He's like, what? What did I do? It's just really like funny. blurred dick in every picture. <laughs> I forget that he was on that show. Yeah, the last season of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yes, um, the unsolicited dick pic. It's <laughs> <That's> really funny. <laughs> The urge to send dick pics is apparently so compelling that caution is thrown to the wind, even when the personal, social, and political ramifications are enormous. Um, these lewd dispatches are rampant. Half of all women between 18 and 36 reported having received one. Um, but those who openly admit to sending them are few and far between. And while women rightly view this as a form of harassment, it does not appear that dick pic senders see it that way, often slapping the lurid photos into otherwise benign conversation. Are they desperate? Do they do it for validation, shock, thrills, comic relief, or is there something darker at play? Uh, beyond a painful inability to read the room, what is their deal? Why do men do this? Thankfully, a new study presented in the Society for the Scientific Study of Sexuality in Montreal last month has suggested some answers. Do we say that Andrew McKay sent in this story? If not, oh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, it's believed to be the first empirical investigation of its kind into the phenomenon of the dick pic, drilling down to unearth the reasons why straight men send unsolicited pictures of their dicks. I don't know why it's limited to straight. It's but, just straight um, men, huh? In this in this study, so more than a thousand mm. self-selecting. I would men. say probably just because it's less harassy if it's yeah. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there aren't also gay men who are bothered and unwilling to receive unsolicited dick pics. But I think when it, the the balance of power is a little bit more matched yeah. and it's a bit less. It's mm-hmm. the dick pic. It's is less always, unacceptable. It's always yeah. captured with you got one of these too, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, does yours look like this? <laughs> just, <laughs> just a second. <laughs> Stepsies. <laughs> so more than a thousand self-selecting straight men aged 16 to 75 were recruited from various social media sites, um, a university-based research participant pool, and Amazon Mechanical Turk. I forgot what that is. We talked about it before. Isn't that that thing that played chess in the 1700s? <laughs> <laughs> steampunk chess robot? Yeah. One of the seven wonders of the world. <laughs> I think that might actually be where it came from. Yeah, it wouldn't came surprise from. me. Yeah. It's like boilerplate. Um, that turned out to be okay so that well you look up the mechanical turn yeah you carry on with the story while I find out what this thing those were the people who took part in the study they were measured on levels of narcissism exhibitionism benevolent and hostile sexism and endorsement of sexual behaviors basically to ascertain if they were oversexed so it's a Amazon mechanical Turk is a crowdsourcing website for businesses known as requesters to hire remotely located crowd workers to perform discrete on-demand tasks on-demand tasks that computers are currently unable to do so yeah, I think that probably is how the name because the the mechanical. I'm gonna look this up, but I'm 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 putting this on the record first. My prediction slash hasty mem- vague v- rubbish memory of this is that if this is the chess playing computer, uh-huh. it was actually someone hiding under the table operating the thing. Ah. Oh, oh, cool. Okay. And so that's just like with a dick pic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Workers, employees post. Employers post jobs known as human intelligent tasks or HITs, such as identifying specific content in an image or video, writing product descriptions or answering questions. Workers, colloquially known as turkers or crowd workers, browse among existing jobs and complete them in exchange for a rate set by the employer. I'm going to do this job. Yeah. I'm going to go home and look into this. Here we go. The name Mechanical Turk was inspired by the Turk, an 18th century chess playing automaton made by Wolfgang von Kempelin that toured Europe, 
beating both Napoleon Bonaparte and Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. It was later revealed that this machine was not an automaton at all, but it was in fact a human chess master hidden in the cabinet beneath the Hilarious. boards, controlling the movements of a human dummy. That's amazing. That's Likewise, the really Mechanical great. Turk online service uses remote human labor hidden behind a computer interface to help employees perform tasks that are not yet possible using a true machine. That's fantastic. That, that's like a Cohen Brothers character arc fantastic. Oh, really yeah, really. They should make that. I added the yet, by the way. The article doesn't say that, but I think most of these tasks will be pretty soon replaceable by actual uh, AI. Oh, man. There's, you know, there's always going to be things a robot can't do. <laughs> Dream. Send a good dick pic. Send a dick pic. Lick a stamp. <laughs> Tell you whether your hot chicken's good. Uh, uh, well, so- actually, there is a story... Should we do that as a bonus story afterwards about tasting, about AI tasting? Sure, yeah, about whiskey whiskey tasting. Whiskey. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'll try to wrap up this dick pic thing real quick. Get it, get it back in its pants where <laughs> yep. it belongs. Um, wrap it up. So, yeah, this is basically trying to figure out the reasons behind men sending these. Uh, trying to figure out if they're oversexed. They were asked about their motivations and what they hoped the outcome would be. Nearly half, 48% of those surveyed, admitted to having sent an unsolicited dick pic in the past. The majority of the dick pic senders were white, married, or white, Married or in a serious relationship, had some college slash university education, and the average age of the sender was 31. The average age of the non-sender was 33, though, so it doesn't appear that age is a factor. In a nutshell, uh, study lead Dr. Corey Peterson of Kwantlen Polytechnic University said, men who had reported having sent unsolicited dick pics showed higher levels of narcissism relative to men who had never sent such images. They also demonstrated higher levels of both hostile... Uh, which is overtly negative views of women and benevolent, which is woman on a pedestal sexism. They were also measured on their opinions around sexuality, basically are based on hypothetical musings that men who send dick pics must be oversexed, but there was no difference between the two groups to the extent, in the extent to which they watched porn or masturbated or fantasized said Peterson, the dick pickers were not more sexual in nature. Additionally, they were measured on misogyny. Um, things like, do you send these images because you dislike women Public exhibitionism, have you ever exposed your genitals to someone that you know but who didn't ask you to in a public setting? And sexual satisfaction, as in liking, thinking that, masturbating later, knowing that a woman's looking at the picture. And uh, there was some endorsement for all those categories, but they were very low. So they honed in on two major reasons why men are motivated to do this. The first was a transactional mindset. They send these images in the hope they'll get some nudes in return, or fingers crossed it will lead to a real-life hookup. The second most popular reason was what we call partner hunting, says Peterson. They believed sending dick pics is an appropriate form of flirting with someone. This is how you let someone know you're interested in them, that you're attracted to them, that you want to have a connection to them. Uh, And when asked what they were hoping to get out of sending these images, a whopping 82% of respondents were hoping to make the person who received the image feel sexual excitement, which is quite contrary to the popularly endorsed belief that men send these pics hoping to get shock, says Peterson. They believe they're going to turn someone on. The top three hope for reactions were positive. Men were hoping for sexual excitement from the part of the recipient. They hoped the recipient would feel attractive and they hoped the recipient would feel valued. Uh, given the Me Too climate we find ourselves in, this obliviousness is astonishing. The individuals sending these unsolicited photos could stand a dose of empathy and a clue. Um, and there's likely some projection at play. So this is how they would feel if they received a nude photo from a woman. Um, Peterson hypothesizes it would only take one or two of those positive endorsements hey, that's a nice dick, for that to be reinforcing enough to continue that type of strategy. So again, it's, that does also play into narcissism of just, it's not like, ah, I want to I wanna be shocking with my dick. It's more like, well, surely she's going to want to see my dick and right. that will <laughs> excite her and therefore she'll then sort of either want to date me or at the very least send me a new back. Right. 
And oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I do a I do a joke about dick pics, mm. and in it, I say that I would never send a dick pic because if someone's going to see my penis, I would like to be there to explain a couple of things about it. <laughs> And that's how I feel about the whole situation. Like sending a picture of my dick to anyone, it's like, yeah. What about an annotated Ooh. dick pic? <laughs> with like cliff notes? Yeah. Like a, a dick with an asterisk next to it? <laughs> Footnotes. Also, my foot's in the. <laughs> sure. Um, um, so, yeah, humans are prone to pay attention to things we already believe to be true and ignore things that disabuse mm-hmm. us, us of our ideas. So, if you get one positive endorsement, you think, hey, this is working. And ignore the women who replied with saying, like, you're gross. That's always kind of been my thought. Like, the idea that when people send dick pics, I'm like, it must have worked at some point. Uh, that's what they're saying. And, like, the, the commonly held belief that this is just a power thing that's, uh-huh. like, trying to make someone uncomfortable. It's like, well, it doesn't make it better, but it's just interesting that it's yeah. a different reason. Or also, it sort of it might have worked in a situation where it was more solicited or yeah. more consented to. Yeah. So, and then just going like, yeah, I've I've had a, a, you know, a sexting situation with someone and I sent a picture of my dick and she sent pictures back and so on and so forth. And therefore, therefore, this conversation that has, has just started and, and is relatively yeah. benign. But if I do, if I do the dick pic there, then I'll probably get the pictures back as well. Like, like yeah, I did right. last time when it was good. Or I remember a comic uh, in my early days telling me that he would sometimes do that and then... Instantly follow up with, oh shit, I was supposed to be for somebody else. Mm. But still, that diabolical has worked for him sometimes. I'm not saying to do that, that's bad. Oh um, shit, that was for someone else, but I there think it is. I think also it. that might have maybe worked 10 years ago. I think and now nowadays. everyone would pretty much just go, like, yeah, we, we've all done the. Like, we've all done it? Man? Not with the dick pic <laughs> thing, but we, we like the kind of like, oh. Oh, that slightly flirty message. Oh, that was an accidental one. I didn't oh, mean to. Yeah. But right, do right, you, right, right. Uh, uh, you like like that's Oh, yeah. that was meant for my doctor. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted me to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think people would like I think I think people have seen through the or yeah, you're just don't, like don't do what I just said. I feel bad I even said it because I suggested an idea to someone who probably is like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> don't group yeah. was don't like ah, light bulb. It will not work. It'll just be seen as an unsolicited dick pic. Yes. Yeah. nobody's yeah, no, buying think, anything from print advertisements anymore. <laughs> I think people have done. I'm pretty sure I have done the. I don't know how to. I we have I, someone I'm interested in, whatever, and we haven't chatted for a while, but it was like her turn to reply or whatever, and go like. Oh, and then you accidentally send like a pocket text, and oh, then just and sure. then you just of just like either job garble stuff or hire whatever, and then just go. Oh, that was meant for. Yeah, I've done that. I've done oh, that. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. You go I've, like. I've oh, definitely... sorry, I meant to. Say, I meant to text that. But what, how are you? I was just. What have you been up to? I haven't heard from you. Yeah, I've definitely texted someone under not the pretense with pic- of an accidental text. Yeah, in in hoping to like get a conversation going. Yeah, or like a booker or something. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I wasn't meant to send you my dick, but. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think, send pictures. Of I think most people, people see through. <laughs> I think most people see through that ruse anyway. Yeah. Now, when it's just text, let alone if you. I right. think if you send that picture be like yeah no 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 so peterson says while we don't dispute or deny that consent is sexy and that it is an important part of all sexual interactions our data suggests that the large majority of men are not sending these images because they hate women or because they want power or control that runs contrary to a lot of feminist discourse that men do this because they hate women that's not what we found this is in and of itself a kind is kind of in heartening which is i guess the same thing as heartening 
Uh, it runs contrary to our popular culture's views on the subject. Nonetheless, no matter what anyone takes from this information, consent is sexy. If somebody wants to see your penis, they'll probably let you know. Words to live by. Again, the doctor. <laughs> he'll be like, send me a picture. That's no, he'll sexy, say, sexy doctor. It, as all no. doctors do. Prove, prove it. it. <laughs> I had a nickel for every time a doctor said prove it. <laughs> Something's wrong with it. Prove it. Show it working and not working, as the case may be. Uh, I want to see it in all the states. <laughs> Spring, all 50, summer. No. <laughs> Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota. Jordan, yes. you, oh, where can our listeners find you and find oh, out more about you? I am uh, at Razor Lou on the internet, on Twitter, on Instagram. Please follow me in all of That's my uh, digital iterations. Razor Lou spelled. Razor Lou, R-A-Z-O-R-L-O-U. Razor Lou. Makes sense. Um, Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a CB trucker handle from years ago, <laughs> um, and it is my online persona. Uh, I also have a couple of podcasts. Uh, I do Fight Island with Sam Wiles. You should listen to that. Please follow us on Twitter. What is Fight Island? Fight Island, we do, um, it's like a hypothetical who would win in a fight betweens. Um, oh, cool. Based on, you know, each episode will have a different... Uh, a different um, topic. The one coming out on Monday, for instance, is people who ruin a party with uh, with Laura Sanders. So we have like, oh, that guy who's too drunk versus that couple that argues loudly versus Great. the acoustic um, guitar guy. It, guitar guy is the head is the he- heavyweight bout. <laughs> yeah. Guitar. I don't want to give it away too much, okay. but it's guitar guitar guy versus the cops. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, Fight Island. I like um, that a lot. And the other one is called Werewolf Radar, and that is uh, the world's premier paranormal preparedness podcast. Uh, find us on iTunes and uh, Spotify and all of the places where awesome. uh, podcasts happen to you. Please do that. And also go and see Jordan do stand-up because he is very funny. And also book me on your stand-up show for the same reason. I highly recommend. For related reasons. Yes. You can find us at probablyscience.com. That's where all the show notes and the links, including the link to the periodic table of Jeopardy answers. Oh, yeah. That'll all be in there. And in the show notes, you can find us on Twitter at Probably Science, individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen, Facebook slash Probably Science as well. And you can email us probablyscience at gmail.com with any stories you want us to cover, questions, comments, clarifications, and so on. And if you are a patri- if you are a Patreon patron, uh, go check out the bonus episode on uh, AI tasting whiskeys. Whiskeys tasting by yep. AI. Yeah, we're going to keep Jordan here for another few minutes and chat about that. Crank the AC for a few minutes and then get back into it. Yep. And Hell yeah. thank you. You can find the donation and the Patreon button at probablyscience.com. You can donate either through Patreon or through PayPal. Thank you very much, everyone who does that, who keeps us keeping the lights on. Indeed. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.